You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. What my dad did with me, he said, okay, you come to me and you tell me what it's going to cost to live your life at college for a semester. I'm going to pay your tuition. I'm going to pay the housing, whatever that was mandatory when you're a freshman. But you add up what you think life costs. And if I think it's reasonable, I will give you the money. He put it in my account and then that was it. Growing wealth while supporting your family isn't easy, but with a well-crafted plan, you can take on anything. Visit planefe.com slash hermoney to schedule a free appointment with an advisor today. Because juggling finances can be overwhelming, but you can find a better balance. Hi, everybody. I'm Jean Chatsky. Thank you so much for joining me on this special bonus mailbag episode of the Her Money Podcast. As winter slowly thaws and we see flowers starting to poke their heads out of the beds, I am seeing a few of them popping up in my neighborhood in Philly, we will quickly be headed into spring's graduation season when so many young adults in our lives will be taking their very first steps into adulthood. Either they'll be starting college or starting their careers, maybe taking a gap year or headed out for a study abroad experience. But no matter what next big steps they're taking, we, all of us, the people who love them, who parent them, who dote on them, we want to make sure that they are set up for success. We want to make sure that no matter where this life takes them, they have the tools to establish a bright, secure future for themselves. And we know a big piece of that puzzle involves money. What does it really take to launch a financial grown-up? Well, all of you, our amazing listeners, submitted some questions on the topic, and we knew just who to call to answer them. We are chatting today with our friend Bobby Rebel, CFP, author of the new book, Launching Financial Grown-Ups. Live your richest life by helping your almost adult kids become everyday money smart. You know Bobby. She has been a friend of her money for so many years. She's also a financial literacy advocate, host of the Money Tips for Financial Grownups podcast, and her new book is a call to action for all of us who are looking to inspire young adults to become financially responsible and independent, can I say that again, independent in our rapidly changing and increasingly competitive world. Bobby, it is so good to see you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much for having me back. And I love that you're in Philadelphia. I have so many great memories there because you're speaking about graduation. And of course, we are in the UPenn Quaker Club together. And we're going to be having, they're merging multiple year reunions yes, together this I, I'm spring. Yes, I have a reunion. Are you going to be there? Everyone has a reunion. It's a reunion for everybody because they mushed together all the years because of COVID. So we'll all be in Philadelphia this spring celebrating everybody and getting back to that you know college experience, which is such a great time of our lives. I know. I'm so excited. I actually just signed up for my alumni events, but I have to say I'm an older alum than you are, my friends and I. I think so. You're, you're not thinking not. Ah, <laughs> I got a good five, if not 10 years on you. So mm. 
Yes. <laughs> yes, my dear. Anyway, we can argue about that off the air. But let me just, before we get into these listener questions, this is the second of the books in the Financial Grown-Up series that you've been writing. So what inspired you to put pen to paper for this one? Well, I was failing so fabulously in my efforts to launch my own financial grownups. And these are my stepchildren who are now 25 and 22. And when they were in college, I mean, I was trying to teach them all the things that I knew. I had been a business news anchor. I had been a personal finance columnist. I had become a certified financial planner, as you know, and I had resources like friends like you. So I knew on paper so much, and yet they just weren't hearing any of it. And it was so frustrating. And I said, if I'm having trouble with this, I think other people might also be struggling with how to get young people up to speed when it comes to being financial grownups. But what I had that a lot of people didn't have is a network of experts, which included you. You are a big part of the book. So your community will definitely enjoy your wisdom that you share in the book, but also parenting experts, other money experts. And my favorite category, of course, is financial therapists, which play a big role because so much of this is not just about money or parenting. A lot of it is about mindset and our approach to money and how that influences our relationships with money and with families. And it's really a multi-generational book. I love it. I love it. And I do think any of us who've wondered, you know, when we've had several children and they've come out as very different financial beings, you know, one who's a spender, one who's a saver, one who's a risk taker, one who's conservative, you know, what did I do differently? And there's so many different factors that go into the soup. So congratulations on the book. And let's dive into our first question. It comes from an anonymous listener. She writes, I've never been good with money. In fact, I might say I'm terrible. It took me until I was 45 to start saving for retirement and making good money decisions that I could be proud of, like buying a home or having an emergency fund. I am able to talk to my child about my mistakes, which I've done often, but I'm unsure how to instruct him on the best money moves to make in college and after college, because those were the years when I was doing the most harm to my own financial future. What can I do? My son will soon be a senior in high school, and honestly, shouldn't his school be teaching him about money? Is there anything I can do there? And I wish you had a name, Anonymous, although we always say it's fine if you guys want to be anonymous. We are absolutely down with that. But yes, his school should be teaching him. All schools should be teaching financial literacy, but they're not. So we have to step into the breach. Bobby, what what do you think? How should she start with this high school senior? Well, I think the first thing, and, and it's interesting she chose to be anonymous because there's some shame and we need to take that away. We need to reframe it and really focus on a different mindset because buried in here in all this sort of negativity is all of these accomplishments that have happened. And so I wish anonymous, and I wish you would say your name because you've accomplished a lot. How you got there, you know, think about what you have accomplished. So stop apologizing, feel good about what you have done. It's not a contest. It is life. And you did save for retirement and you did increase your income and you did build an emergency fund and you did buy a home. So you are good with money and life has taught you important skills because things have not come easy for you. And there's no indication in this that you were reckless 
in all these years. It just took you a certain amount of time to have the financial security that you seem to have right now. So in that sense, I want you to shift your mindset about yourself and understand how much you have done and how much you do have that you can teach your child. I also think that it's important to, yes, Jean, you're absolutely right. Schools should be teaching personal finance. Even if every school teaches personal finance and every kid pays attention, which is a big part of it, because a lot of the colleges will say, well, we offer programs, but no one signs up, right? They're signing up for other kinds of classes. And that's because I've asked those questions. Sometimes television series and things like that can inspire classes and those can be great, but they're going to take attention away from, you know, personal finance basics sometimes when kids at age 18, 19 have the choice. Even if every school were to teach about money, that's relevant, but to some degree not relevant to our role as parents, because what we are teaching is something very different. We are teaching values. Mm -hmm. We are teaching priorities. We are teaching specific day-to-day things in the moment. And there's nothing that can replace a parent sitting with a child when they get their first job and going through with the computer, the child should press the keys, but you sit there and making sure they, for example, sign up for their benefits correctly because there isn't, especially now with COVID and where so many people are remote, someone in the HR department with a piece of paper walking you through it. They'll just say, here's the website, sign up. And so we still have to have that hands-on approach on the day-to-day life. It's like you can send your kid to a cooking class, but ultimately what's going to really stick with them is cooking with you. You just did a great cooking episode. I mean, being there in the moment, and honestly, we're the stakeholders. I mean, the schools are transitional. They're in and out. As their parents, we're there. And we will bear the benefits and consequences of how well it goes. I agree with you. And I definitely think that decision to get into the 401k, to sign up for the right health plan, to use his benefits. But even before he gets there, I think... Look, I made so many mistakes in college, coming out of college, and a lot of them just had to do with being mindless about what Mm -hmm. I was doing. So try to get him to follow where his money is going. Try to get him to pay attention to the flows of his limited resources. When he has a job in the summer, make sure that at least some of that money is going to pay for his expenses, not just his fun stuff, because that makes him a stakeholder. And as he launches, don't just go through the benefits, but go through the paycheck. Show him, you know, what's coming out and where is it going as far as FICA is concerned, as far as money that goes to pay for all of these different programs. I think just talking about it early and often is exactly what you should be doing. Yeah. And thank you for adding that. I kind of jumped ahead to college. I forgot it was high school. With high school, certainly, you know, that goes to the first paycheck. Even look at it with them and see how that is breaking down. When they're getting their first car, if they have a car, make sure they have some skin in the game with the car and that they understand that if they're not paying for insurance, you are and how that works and how that's calculated and how you can reduce the rate. Make sure that they understand how to start building a credit score and and all of those kinds of things that do take time and will really benefit them as they go through life and just take time, especially with a credit score. Exactly. Exactly. So thanks for the great question. The next one comes from Nancy. She says, hey, Jean, I'm wondering what you should do if you have a child or someone young in your life that you care about, maybe a niece or nephew, that's making a career choice you don't think they should. On one hand, I see how you could easily come across like someone who is out of touch and overly critical. 
But I also feel that if no one has ever explained how different career paths yield different earnings results, then I should speak up, at least to educate them about what it means to earn an income in different fields. What do you think? Are there any scripts for having these kinds of conversations? Oh my goodness, Nancy, this is just a <laughs> oh, minefield. This is everybody, I mean, this, by the way, this was my father to me because he did not want me to be a journalist. He wanted me to go work on Wall Street. So that's why business news was actually a compromise because he sort of counseled me that if you're going to do this crazy journalism thing, at least do the part that pays the most, right? And that has skill sets that could be transferable. And I'm also going through this right now because my stepson is graduated from college and he is wanting to go into the movie business. And that is a tough one. So it's so relatable and we want to protect our children. But at the end of the day, it is their life. So you ask about a script. This is what I think. Think about the script as one with a lot of white space and room for improv. Don't be so wedded in a script because you might push them away. It's really important to spend most of the script, as you say, listening, asking follow-up questions, both to show that you are listening and that you hear them, and also to really process their thinking and why they want this career. And maybe they do understand how it's going to play out financially, but maybe they don't. Don't necessarily make it one conversation. It doesn't have to be all at once. Make sure they feel heard. Be careful with your tone because you don't want them to feel like they're being judged, which is something you alluded to. Help them map out what their life would be like if they had that kind of career. Yeah, it's important to be giving information that allows them to make an educated decision, right? And I think one place that we don't have this conversation enough is when kids are borrowing for college. You know, if you have a child who's going into college and is thinking that they will borrow to get a particular degree, well, they should know how much that degree is likely to pay on the flip side so that they can decide whether or not they'll be able to actually live independently while making those student loan payments. And in this case, I think that your niece or your nephew needs to have the information about what it costs to live a life where they want to live it and how they want to live it. And then they can come into the decision about what sort of job they want to work for, what kind of company they want to work at with a little bit more of an educated perspective. Instead of telling them what to do, you're giving them information that may allow them to come to a more educated decision by themselves. And to me, that feels a little less judgy. We're going to just remind everybody that conversations like these are made possible because we have really amazing sponsors on this show. And when we're talking about things like raising kids, caring for aging parents, planning for retirement, it is a lot to manage, especially when you're trying to grow your wealth at the same time. I hope that you'll visit edelmanfinancialengines.com slash hermoney. That's plan E-F-E 
com slash hermoney to schedule a free appointment with an advisor. You'll learn strategic ways to help meet your financial obligations all while remaining focused on your needs and your dreams because with a well-crafted financial plan, you're ready for all of life's competing priorities. You can schedule your free appointment today at planefe.com slash hermoney. We are tackling all of your questions with CFP Bobby Rebel, author of the book Launching Financial Grownups. Our next question is from a member of our private Her Money Facebook group, and she writes, my 24-year-old daughter just finished college and is starting her career, but she's earning very little and living in the incredibly expensive Bay Area. She needs money. She isn't begging for help, but she has asked that I help out with certain expenses. Should I help? I don't have any cash to spare month to month, but I could tap into my 401k or other retirement resources. I've always told her I would be there for her and I don't want to let her down. She got a partial scholarship to college, which saved me so much money, which leaves me feeling like I have even more of an obligation to help her. Thank you so much. Again, this is a really, really tough question. And let me just tell you what I think, and I'll turn to you in one second, Bobby. I don't want to see you dip into your retirement. I don't want to see you dip into your 401k. This is an incredibly competitive job market. People like us at Her Money who are trying to hire, we are finding it hard. And your daughter, sounds incredible. If it has been a good year since she started in this position, she could be looking for something that pays more. She could also be asking for a raise. So don't take this all on you. She could also take on a side gig, which I did when I was fresh out of college. And Bobby, I assume you did something very, very similar. Yeah, I do agree with you. And I think that it's important to reframe this as finding solutions for your daughter, but not being the solution and certainly not with anything that would create strain on your retirement. And the gut feeling that you want to solve her problem is so normal. I call it concierge parenting. I didn't coin the term, but I talk about that a lot in the book because we can often help our children as they get older by being there at all times now that we have texting and constant communication, but also often with a check. That's the truth of it. And it's kind of easier in the moment, but it's going to cause bigger problems down the road. Every time you get tempted to give her money that you can't afford by taking out of your retirement account, think how painful it will be if you have to ask her for money when you are retired and if you become dependent on your daughter. You do not want that. So empower your daughter with all the things that Jean said. I mean, my first instinct was exactly that. It's such a competitive market. Ask for a raise or help her find other ways to increase her income or I don't like this as much, adjust her expenses, her living expenses, Mm -hmm. what her overhead is. I always prefer raise the income, but whatever it is, she may need to make an adjustment. And one thing that we tend to do is we feel like our children should live at the same lifestyle level as we do at a younger age now. But the truth is a lot of us lived in 
dumps when we were younger. And I'm not saying that your daughter should live in a dump. However, she can maybe have an extra roommate if that's what's going on. I mean, there's ways to do it. I stretched to buy my first apartment and I had a friend that also bought an apartment and we bought it, by the way, when the market was plummeting. So we got, quote, really good deals when nobody wanted little studio apartments on the Upper West Side. We were far West Side, the whole thing. It worked out, but we were very cash poor and we just ate mac and cheese. It was 99 cents a box and we shared the box. Yes. And that's what we did. And that's what you do when you're 23, 24 years old. It's okay to live like a 24-year-old. So I would just don't beat yourself up. Be there to find solutions with her, but you don't have to be the solution to her problems. She's a grown-up. Our next question ties nicely into that, Bobby. And I'm just laughing because my solution wasn't mac and cheese in a box. It was Chinese soup, which came with a container of rice, but it also was a dollar. And I wasn't smart enough like you to buy an apartment at an early, early age. I wish that I had. Our next question is from Jennifer. She says, how do I teach my kids how to budget? My husband and I are very fortunate that we make good money and things have never been tight. How do I get them to understand how to budget and plan as they leave for college? So this is a great question. And the truth is, Every kid is different. So different things will work with different children. So there's not a one-size-fits-all solution here. What I can tell you is it's important to put it on them and make them in charge. So you are not nagging them or saying you're over budget or blah, blah, blah. Put it on them. So what my dad did with me, which looking back, I didn't think much of it at the time. It was all I knew. But looking back, it was kind of genius. He said to me, okay, you come to me and you tell me what it's going to cost to live your life at college for a semester. I'm going to pay your tuition. I'm going to pay the, you know, the housing, whatever that was mandatory when you're a freshman, but you add up what you think life costs. And if I think it's reasonable, I will give you the money when you go off to college. And again, we didn't have all the technology we have now to have this constant communication and bank transfers and all that stuff. I was lucky I even had a computer for college. He put it in my account and then that was it. And if I ran out of money, that was it. And I'll tell you, I went abroad and I didn't really research what it costs to live in France. And I was way short and it was ugly and I didn't get to do some things. It was a really big money lesson when I look back because I hadn't really understood what it would cost to translate my expenses to a different country. So we have a lot of information out there. So I would put it on them because you're talking about college kids to do the research themselves on what it costs to be them. And you don't have to write a check for the whole thing. You can say, I will cover this percentage and you will cover this percentage. But it forces them that whatever the numbers are going to be, talk to you next semester. Good luck with it. I really like that answer. I like that solution. I like putting it on them. My deal with my kids was that they worked during the summer and that those dollars were to be used to cover the non-tuition, non-books things during each Mm -hmm. semester. And they were not great budgeters when they went off to school. And I did it with training wheels. So Mm -hmm. when my daughter got paid over the summer, I took her money, except for the small portion that she wanted to spend. And then I parceled it back out over the course of the semester because she was afraid that she would blow it if she had access to all of it. So we did it with some training wheels, but I really like that idea of asking them what you think it will cost. And it goes to the fact that that worked for me, but if you basically did the same thing, but in monthly increments, and you have to see what works for each child. Some may have to have literally, you know, a weekly allowance on a debit card. 
So it just varies. But the most important thing is that you empower them. That exactly. they have to figure it out and they have to be accountable if they go over budget and they have to figure out the solution if they go over budget. And the solution may be in a pickle once or twice, but the solution is really not to come back to you for a check. We've got one more question today, but before we take it, I want to remind everyone that Her Money is supported by BCU. BCU is a credit union that understands that financial freedom doesn't happen at one single point, but rather at many different stages of life. That's why BCU is here today for your tomorrow with support available at every stage of your financial journey. You can learn more about eligibility at www.bcu.com bcu.org. Okay, our last question. It's from Katie, and she writes, Our daughter is a beautiful and vibrant liberal arts major. I can talk to her all day about literature or art history. She never tires. She is deeply passionate about the things she cares about. My problem is that she's not at all passionate about money or finances, and that's putting it mildly. Her eyes glaze over completely whenever I broach the topic. It's not that she's unkind or doesn't listen. She's just not interested. I can tell she's trying, but I know her well enough to know that it's not a priority for her. In her defense, she got a full-ride scholarship for college, so honestly, we haven't had to have any difficult money conversations with her. Throughout her life, I've spoken to her about budgeting and making savvy money decisions when buying groceries, for example. She can thrift shop with me like a champ. But she's a sophomore in college now, and I'm starting to worry that my occasional financial lessons for her just haven't been enough. How do I get my smart yet completely uninterested in money, daughter, to care. What do you think? So one of the reasons I, in the book, talk about ages 16 to 26 is because everyone is on their own timeline. And in the book, I really address a range from age 16, which is kind of when we first start to get, you know, more formal paychecks and maybe some people get driver's licenses. And age 26 is kind of where they kind of have to figure out health insurance. But there's a 10-year span here. And you're talking about a, I'm going to say, 20-year-old, right? So everyone is on their own timeline. And by the way, she might care more than you realize. She just doesn't want to talk about it when she sees you. Maybe there's just other things she wants to talk about when you guys spend time together. So for example, you talk about thrifting. So she knows how to bargain shop. She's very aware of what things cost and the fact that you don't have to buy the fanciest, newest thing and seems to like things that are a good deal. And while she's a sophomore, as I mentioned, she's only a sophomore. She's not in debt. She got a full scholarship. She's not going to graduate with debt. So you don't have an urgent situation looming where you have to make sure she understands that she has to earn money to pay the student debt right away. There's no indication that she's overspending or irresponsible with money. Nothing bad is happening. She's just not that excited about the money lessons when she's talking to you. So when it's appropriate, when you feel there's an opening, working conversations about her career aspirations and how they line up with what her life will cost, which is something we've spoken about a lot on this podcast, but also let her be a college kid and enjoy not stressing about money when it sounds like there isn't even that much to stress about. Yeah, it's interesting. 
I don't think adults come for financial advice just because. I think adults come for financial advice because they have a problem, because there's something going on in their life that they need to solve for. So your daughter is going to be very interested in money when she needs to negotiate her first salary. She's going to be very interested in money when she needs to rent her first apartment or buy her first car or get a credit card for the first time. And your job as a parent, I think, is to be there then to answer those questions, to make sure that when those times arise, you are there to talk through the issues with her because she's going to need your help then. And I think Bobby's right. It comes along when it comes along. Bobby, you're amazing. The book is terrific. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me, and you are terrific in the book. So I just want to remind everyone that you were one of my incredible experts that really made this book something I am so proud of and so excited to be sharing with people. Oh, well, thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you have questions that you want us to answer or if there's a topic that you want us to tee up, let us know. Drop us a note at mailbag at hermoney.com. And if you like what you hear, we hope that you'll subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. We love hearing what you think. We'd also like to thank our sponsors, Edelman Financial Engines and BCU. We produce this podcast out of CDM Sound Studios. Our music is provided by Video Helper, and our show comes to you through Megaphone. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk soon. We'll be right back.